Welcome to Middle Age Can Be Your Best Age, the show designed to help make middle age your prime time of life by defying the notion that once you reach 40, 50, or even 60 years old, your crowning achievements are all behind you. Regardless of whether you're just approaching 40 or are firmly entrenched in your middle years, it's time to launch your very own personal journey toward a joyful and purpose-filled second half of life. Each week, host Roy Richards, an expert on midlife renewal and author of A Midlife Challenge, Wake Up, will discuss the challenges common to middle age and help guide you to a brighter tomorrow. Now, here's Roy. Now I know that most of you out there are not yet retired and do not consider yourself a senior citizen. But anyway, here's a remarkable fact. My next guest tells us, from retirement communities to nursing homes, older Americans in increasing numbers are turning to marijuana for relief from aches and pains, and many have embraced it as a preferred alternative to powerful addictive drugs like morphine. And supporters say marijuana is less addictive than pharmaceutical opioids with fewer side effects. And what about... Excuse me, what about cannabis use for you and me? Is marijuana a good idea to help ease the aches and pains of advancing age? For instance, that aching neck or back? And how about marijuana for our elderly parents? Also, where can we go to obtain medical marijuana? And if we use marijuana in our homes or out in public, are we going to get uh, in trouble with the law? And our next guest, Frank Shamrock, is here with some answers, and he's one fascinating guy. He's co-host of The Bakeout, a new weekly online TV talk show all about today's controversial world of cannabis. He also runs Shamrock Way, a nonprofit organization that serves at-risk youth. He's known worldwide as the first UFC middleweight champion and was the first champion to retire with his belt. Sounds like the Rocky Marciano of mixed martial arts. And fans may know Frank for his broadcast color commentary on MMA. And hello, Frank Shamrock, and welcome to Middle Age Can Be Your Best Age. And may I add, it's great to have a man named Shamrock on our program (laughs) so shortly after St. Patrick's Day. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's great to be here. Thanks for having me. So to begin, what is the difference between the term marijuana and the term cannabis? Is there a difference, or is this the, the same plant just by different names? It's, it's, it's the exact same plant. It's actually called the cannabis plant, and then everything else uh, comes from that. And then ironically, you know, marijuana was actually given to the name of it um, at the end of the Mexican-American War when there was a large influx of immigrants that were Hispanic and smoking marijuana. Um, the same, the same plant was in every medicine cabinet at the time in America. Hmm. Uh, but that began its sort of relabelization. It's called the cannabis plant and it all comes from one plant. Yeah. Well, why is it that older Americans are increasingly turning to marijuana for pain relief? Aren't there plenty of both prescription and over the counter drugs that uh, treat pain? Well, there totally are, but, you know, what we're finding out about the cannabis plant is that, um, you know, as the science comes out, we're just realizing it, it's a better medicine. You know, the side effects, it not being addictive, they're not, you know, you, you hear the side effects of some of these drugs that are trying to do very simple things for us. Um, and the risk, of, right, it's just like my knee hurts and I'm risking, you know, like liver, like, like all these issues to try to deal with this. 
when my yeah, body I love these tell commercials you see on TV. It seems like most of the drugs are designed to elderly users, but they always talk a little bit about the benefits, and then they warn you about all the possible side effects. <laughs> yeah, and it's terrible. And this was a, <laughs> the ironic part is this was a generation that was taught, you know, this is a bad drug. This is, you know, leads to it leads to a lot of bad things. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, through personal experimentation in the last few generations and through the push for legalization and, and medical side, you know, we're just finding that it, it does amazing things for your body. And it's not about, you know, getting high or anything, just yeah. the oils in it, you know, the substance in the leaves, uh, they, they fill voids in your body that synthetic drugs do not. And they just, people are feeling, especially the elder, they feel so much better without the side effects. Yeah. Well, what about the common belief that use of marijuana can lead to harder drugs like heroin or meth? Is there any truth to that? <laughs> no, <laughs> they've, they've completely, you know, finally given up on that. And in fact, the <laughs> DEA has just finally removed the gateway thing from, well, from their website. And, <laughs> yeah, right? After, you know, 40 years of, of, of staying it. And come on, if you're 70 years old or 80 years old, are you really going down that path? Or do you just have knee pain or back pain or shoulder pain? Like, you imagine that's just an, 80 the, uh, an 80-year-old leaving the nursing home to go down the corner and look for the local drug dealer. That's <laughs> like, yeah, it's just, it makes no sense. But what we are seeing is, you know, certain strains of this and certain types of the compounds, you know, they attack cancer cells. Yeah. They, you know, so they support appetite. You know, they help with relaxation and with yeah. muscular relaxation and pain blocking. So we're just seeing this flood of science come out that kind of supports what this medical community has been fighting for. Yeah. And that it's a medicine. It's, it's, yeah. it's a plant and it's a medicine. Well, frankly, it's hard for me to imagine a nursing home or retirement village with a bunch of elderly residents sitting around pus uh, smoking pot, <laughs> smoking the only way to consume cannabis, and if no. not, some of the alternative ways to consume it. <laughs> yeah, well, that's the funny part is, is you know, everyone still thinks people are smoking weed, and while it's a very quick and efficient way uh, and pretty effective way to consume it, there's actually so many better ways. You know, it's topical. They have sprays now. They have creams. They have pills. Uh, they've got, I even saw a suppository the other day, <laughs> which I don't even, I didn't even go down that path. I was just like, I didn't know that existed, but that's what I we're finding out. I always wanted to get is. my rear end high. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't even touch that. I was like, I don't even know what to say, but there's female sex aids that have now come out, like intervaginal oh, sex wow. aids. Because there's so many elements behind this plant. There's the euphoric feeling. There's the pain relief. There's the, yeah. you know, there's so many different levels that we're just now going like, wow, okay, we're not really smoking weed. They're consuming it in so many different ways. Yeah. Well, as a former martial arts champion, I'm certain over the years you've had your share of aches and pains. How has cannabis helped you, and what's been your experience with marijuana? How is that, uh, has that been a real relief for you to use that or uh? It totally has. Yeah, I mean, I, I I did one of the most violent sports ever and was very successful at it and pioneered it to, to network television. But, I mean, I retired when I was 38 because I was broken. I mean, I was, yeah. after 16 years, I really smashed myself up. And all of my mentors and, frankly, all of my doctors, you know, they were prescribing and, you know, pointing towards these highly addictive pharmaceutical drugs to stop the yeah. pain. And I was yeah. like, well, 
you know, I've always had back pain. I have a, a spondylitis, that little spinal deformity from when I was a kid. So they told me I'd never play sports. I was always going to have this problem. I had to kind of be conscious of yeah. pain. So I've been managing it. I mean, I've won, you know, four world titles and made movies and read books and, and kind of lived the life I wanted to. Yeah. And all the while, dealing with pain management as a daily activity. So, oh. you know, this thing that it's addictive, you know, if you're... If you're drinking every day of your life, you're going to have some trouble. And same with smoking marijuana. If you're doing that yeah. to escape, if you're doing that to, you know, forget what's going on. Yeah. Uh, but if you're dealing with a common ailment or if you, you know, I met a girl like on the show, our, our shows, you know, the girl was dying from cancer and her dad was like, no, he didn't believe at all. But when he started looking, he went, wait a minute, there's something here and I'm going to try it. I'm going to break the law. Like, I don't care. That's how important it is. It's my daughter's life. The result is. She's the only one on the planet whose cancer has stopped growing of this type. So something is happening, miracle, yeah. magic, who knows? But it's working. And it's I like guess as there's long other, as other diseases that uh, there's been experience where people got better when they, they uh, used marijuana. And uh, what are some of the other diseases that you know of? That, uh, we've seen Crohn's disease, like completely stopped. You know, we've seen very specific types of cancers just completely eradicated. And then we're also seeing, and this affects the elderly as well, a lot of Alzheimer's and a lot of, you know, older mind issues are being and treating, being treated with cannabis. Because, you know, the federal government actually holds a patent on cannabis as a neuroprotectant, which means it'll help your brain as you age. And the same federal government says it's federally illegal and there's no medical usage for it. Well, that's so pretty ridiculous, isn't it? That's pretty ridiculous. That's how the show started. That's how this, this conversation started because it's a plant that you can plant in your backyard yeah. and, and, and cure your common ailments and it's non-addictive. And that, you know, that's the bigger conversation. Why don't well, we have of, the rights to do that? As of today, we have quite a hodgepodge of state laws concerning medical and recreational use of marijuana. And uh, where is the legislation headed? In most states today, will I get in trouble if I consume cannabis in my home in public? What if I grow cannabis in the backyard? Might I go to jail? I mean, it, it's quite a confusing situation. It It is confusing. And there's you, you can go to jail, and a lot of people have. So um, you need to be very cognizant of what your state laws are. Yeah. And, you know, I think everyone should also be cognizant that you know, if you lose this right, you lose a lot of access to your own personal medicine, which you can care for for pennies on the dollar. Yeah. Um, you know, and that, that always existed for us and for some reason does not. But I would encourage everybody, consume it, don't consume it. But um, think about it. If we can't plant a plant in our backyard that is proven to help save people's lives, then there's something really wrong with our health care system and our focus on personal health. When, I was, when our son was a teenager, we noticed out back he had some marijuana plants growing, and we yeah. immediately destroyed them, obviously. This was years ago, but <laughs> didn't know all these benefits. That, uh, and the ridiculous thing, as you mentioned, marijuana is still illegal under federal law, but uh, President Obama wasn't uh, enforcing that. Where do you think that's headed with uh, the new administration? Do you think there'll be a a greater threat of federal prosecution, and you know how do how do you got in one and states like Colorado and Washington, and I guess now California allow mm -hmm. recreational use. Is the federal government going to come in and uh, 
say, uh-uh, we're going to put you all in jail or what? I, nobody knows. There's certainly a lot of fear with the new administration, and they've you know, moved positions around on it. First, you know, Trump said he was going to allow it and not bother it. Um, and then, you know, Jeff Sessions came straight out and was like, no good people smoke marijuana. Very, made a very strong. Maybe not in Alabama. It. <laughs> yeah, it's just crazy. But but yeah, so there's a lot of fear and amongst the medical community. You know, there's a lot of, you know, medical refugees who have left their state to go to Colorado to come to California because hmm. uh, it's the only place where they can get this medicine. You know, it's like, yeah. OK, my child's dying or I can go you know, leave, or I can stay home and break the law. In some states, this is illegal. In all states, it's technically illegal because it's yeah. federally illegal. So I yeah. see greater enforcement. I see bigger, sadly, bigger problems. But, you know, as long as we stick, I want to say, together, whether you're for or against this, there's no country rule or law that should govern a plant I can plant in my backyard. That no, they crazy. tried that with prohibition <laughs> years ago. That that's crazy. <laughs> yeah, that's just nuts. So. Well, let's say I want to obtain cannabis for pain relief. And, of course, this will depend on the state. But where in, in general should I go uh, to look for it and what documentation will I need to obtain it, uh, either for myself or an elderly uh, mother or father? Uh, do I need a medical doctor's permission or how do I go about getting medical marijuana? Well, here's the best way. I would recommend you go to safeaccessnow.org. And that's like the largest organization in the world, in our, I'm sorry, in America, now spreading out through the world, that is solely focused on making sure patients can get their medicine. And that's, again, safeaccessnow.org. They're a nonprofit organ. All they do is make sure wherever you're at, you can find your medicine. So if you're in a state where it's illegal... They're going to find the tools for you to get it or tell you where to go or kind of, you know, tell you where to start, you know, positioning or talking legislatively. Because right now it comes down to your municipality. In my town, yeah. they don't allow yeah. anything. Oh. I live in a cop town. All cops live here. And they're like, nope, yeah. you're not bringing it in. <laughs> so, you know, but people that live here that rely on it, they now have to travel 20, 25 miles into, you know, not the nicest areas to get their medicine. And, yeah. and if you're 80 years old and you're trying to drive 20 miles in the city to get medicine, that just makes no sense. No. You know, that's dangerous. Well, let's talk a bit about your program. You and your co-host, Robert Ferguson, have a new TV, Internet, uh, internet TV talk show called The Bake Out. And what is the mission of your program, and who is it intended for? Should skeptics like me tune in, or is your program just for uh, cannabis fans? No, it's for everybody, and Robert Ferguson is a skeptic. He does not believe. Oh. He's Ph.D. educated, you know, former Marine, and he thinks the whole thing is a bunch of malarkey. So <laughs> part of my show is taking him on the journey, educating him, um, and then educating everybody that watches. I was blown away when I started learning this stuff. And it, was, it was extraordinary to me. And then once you, know, once you see it and you start learning it, you can't forget about it. Yeah. Especially when you see the stories and what's happening, and then you start thinking about it. And you're like, wait a minute. Why am I taking these drugs from a doctor who knows nothing about my health? Yeah. And they're bad for me. <laughs> That's well, the I know your question. program has only been on since January 2017 this year, but uh, give us a sample of some of the guests you've had. I know you had this uh, former football player with the Chicago Bears who was fascinating at uh, all the use in the NFL and 
people that take cannabis for, <laughs> rather than these drugs that the teams prescribe. <laughs> yeah, that was crazy, right? To hear all of the the drugs and the injections. And I, I I had no idea, even as a professional sports athlete, that 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 was that was going. No wonder why they're all jacked up when their careers are done. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, our other girl was Tawny Shaw, and I kind of alluded to her earlier. She has oh, yeah. literally one of the rarest cancers on earth. And yeah. she was at Cornell, like, her, you know, just a wealthy family. They're super successful. Yeah. She was at Cornell University, you know, oh. uh, just just having the greatest time of her life when she's just all of a sudden has a stomach pain. And, oh. you know, it's over the course of a week, the doctors tell her, you have stage four cancer. You have to go home and die. And it's like, yeah. I didn't know where all of this happens. And her dad, you know, just super educated, you know, super motivated man. And he just refused to give up. And he started studying this thing and realized, wait a minute, somebody somewhere has had good results with this. And it was cannabis oil. Yeah. So those, are, those are the stories we want to tell because that's what opens people. That's what opened my eyes, you know, with yeah. seeing, meeting the kid with Crohn's disease who... And the mom was like, no, you don't understand. The doctors pulled me in and were like, take him home. He's going to die. And she's like, what are you talking about? And she's like, well, there's got to be some medicine. It's like, there's no medicine. Well, where, how do we tune into your program? Where do we do, how do we go about doing that? Because it's, it's certainly worth watching. You'll like it. It's online and it's at bakeout.tv. And you can also see that um, on the internet and on our app, which you can download from the app store. Uh, this is designed to be a educational and uh, informational journey into cannabis. Yeah. And you should definitely check in because uh, you want to make sure you don't lose this right. Yeah, I know. I went on my on my computer. I just went to www.bakeout.tv, and it was right there. So, to, And you can uh, your past episodes, I guess, are still online, so you can choose the subject that you're most interested in and then uh, run that. Yeah, we got information on nutrition and uh, news and law, and we try to cover all of the areas of the industry uh, that might touch you when you're, you know, looking into it. Yeah, well, I I think like most of you, in conclusion, I'm highly supportive of cannabis to relieve pain in the terminally ill or in anyone, including our seniors, who suffer through chronic pain. And marijuana certainly offers a preferred alternative to those powerful pharmaceutical opiates with their awful side effects. But until I learned of guest Frank Shamrock's program, The Bakeout Show, watched a couple of his episodes, and talked with Frank today, I was not fully aware of the positive impact that cannabis can have for us, uh, for those of us in pain or suffering from some serious disease. And uh, if you or a loved one presently suffers from chronic pain and you either want to avoid or get off of opiates, I highly recommend you tune in to the Bakeout Show. And like me, you'll gain a, a wealth of knowledge and perhaps a whole new outlook on cannabis. And no, it's not just a mind-numbing drug that hippies in San Francisco used to chill out on during the Vietnam War. And thank you so much, Frank Shamrock, for joining us today. And best of success with your new The Makeout Internet TV show. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Well, before we go, let me ask you a question. How safe is your job? You answer you're fine. You recently received a positive performance review and a raise. But in these crazy times of constant innovation and instant change, no one can be certain. 
let me put it to you this way. Your job is safe until the hurricane comes. They replace you with a piece of software or with someone cheaper. A new competitor or innovator enters your market, and your employer is forced into a riff. That's a reduction in force. Your company is bought out by a competitor with a lot of overlap and folks performing your function, and guess who goes? I've been there and done that, suddenly unemployed and in panic, and I'd be willing to mention that most of us middle-aged folks will face unexpected unemployment at least once in our careers, if we haven't already, and maybe this very day you're out of work, perhaps seeking to find a job after several months or even years away from the workplace. And here's another possible scenario. You're presently employed but not happy or satisfied in the job you now hold. You want to change jobs or careers, but you don't want to quit your present job until you find something better. And overall, there's good news on the U.S. economy, I guess. Certainly, it's better to be searching for a job today than, say, early 2009. But that's small comfort if you're the one searching for that right situation and uh, nothing seems to work. You're not having success. But here's some better news. My next guest, Martin Yate, is one of the world's foremost experts on all aspects of job search. And he's a New York Times best-selling author of Knock'em Dead, The Ultimate Job Search Guide 2017. He's helped millions turn their lives around and supercharge their professional careers. It's now in its 32nd edition, and Martin updates his guide every year to reflect the rapid changes in the job search environment. You wouldn't want to rely on a 1997 guide, even a 2012 guide, would you? And uh, this book is the keystone of Martin's 17-book series on different aspects of job search and career management. And Martin Yate was born in England but came to America in his early 20s to be a movie star. But fortunately for us, he became a job search star instead. And for Dun and Bradstreet, Martin Yate is just about the best in his business. And hello, Martin. It's indeed an honor to have you back on Middle Age Can Be Your Best Age. It's good to be with you, and uh, I'm just approaching my 128th birthday. Who'd have thought 30, 31, <laughs> 32 editions of one book? You're almost <laughs> as old as the Queen of England. <laughs> yeah, you know, they say anyone can write a book, all you need is a lack of a social life, and I've done 85 editions of 17 books. What does that tell you? <laughs> <laughs> well, we have so much ground to cover in so little time, but let's cover a few basics. I'll target my questions on those of us over 40, currently unemployed or seeking a better job uh, midstream. And let's assume I've been employed by the same company for over 10 years. Through no fault of my own, I'm suddenly unemployed. I'm panicked, afraid I'll lose everything. Besides purchasing your book, Knock 'em Dead 2017, what should I do as my very first step toward launching a job search? Number one, cut up all your credit cards except one. Stop living up to your income. Expect that it's going to take some time. And two, uh, we, we, we have an audience of people who suffer age and wage discrimination. Yeah. And we come out of interviews hoping they're not discriminating. Yeah. We need to start thinking the very next thing about what are the pluses of my age? Yeah. What do I bring to the table that someone 10 or 15 years younger can't? Yeah. Because you can either hope they're not discriminating or you can address it 
and turn it into a strong plus. Yeah, head on. But um, well, years ago when looking for a job, I'd run to pick up the uh, National Business Employment Weekly, a compendium of employment one ads from the regional editions <laughs> of the Wall Street Journal. And with the Internet, instant communication, and the monster online job banks, isn't job search a lot easier today? Why not just email my resume to every promising listing on the Internet? Won't this do the trick? Um, it's changed a lot. You mentioned, mentioned National Business Employment Weekly, the Wall Street <laughs> Journal. used to be run by Tony Lee. I wrote for it back in 1986 for a few years. Oh. He's now head of uh, editing for SHRM, the Society of Human Resource Management, which all the recruiters um, uh, uh, belong to. Oh. And I do their weekly career column. What a small world, huh? <laughs> um, yeah, the Internet has changed everything. And I was there at the first meeting when a resume database was suggested, and it was suggested by a guy called Jeff Taylor, oh. had one of the first 100 internet companies, and it was called Monster, and you oh, just yeah. mentioned them. Yeah. And so I've been involved in these databases since the very beginning, and our resumes are going to go into them. Um, but the big question is, can't we just send them to a response to every job posting we see? Roy, <laughs> no one in America knows how many job boards there are and resume banks there are. There are that many. So if you do that, it's like being part of a herd of buffalo in the 1850s. You're going to get lost in the herd. Yeah. By far the better thing to do. You aren't one of the buffaloes that get shot by the hunters. Yeah. (laughs) You know where you live. You know how how far you're prepared to commute. Yeah. There are resources out there like Standard & Poor's, like Hoovers.com. There are uh, books in the library. Standard & Poor's tracks every publicly traded company in the world. Mm. Um, uh, Hoovers uh, bought ZapData, which belonged to Dun & Bradstreet, and that gives you over 17 million North American publicly and privately held companies. If you know how far you're willing to commute, it is much better if you do a direct approach and find out who are all the companies that you can bring at least 70% of the skills to the table for and approach them directly. That way you cut out the databases. Yeah, Yeah, you don't want to be one of... uh say, 500 or even more resumes that uh, show up on those banks for one particular listing. I wouldn't think that would uh, be the best way to go about it. But uh, you rightfully point out that networking is, is essential to successful job search. Any suggestions on how best to make contact with the hiring decision makers in a target company? How do we first locate that person and then make contact? Uh, if we tie it into networking, if you're, if, if you're a working professional, you should have a profile on LinkedIn. The people you want to make connections with are people who are relevant to your profession, people with the same job title, more or less experience doesn't matter. Most importantly, people with the job titles one, two, and three levels above you because those are the men and women who are going to hire you. If you don't have a direction to these people, you can go through the, please, will you give me an introduction to your friend who will give me an introduction to so-and-so. Very clunky, doesn't work very well. Much better if you find someone and you search by company name, 
Oh. and or job title, it will tell you which groups they belong to. You join the group, and then you can reach out to them directly, saying, hey, I'd like to connect with members of the same group and in the same profession. Yeah. That's the quickest and easiest way to get in touch with people. Another great resource is jigsaw.com, hmm. a sales lead comp- uh, uh, site that's been around for 12 years. The deal is you go to them and say, I want this job title at this company, and if they've got it, They'll give you. They'll give you the name and whatever kind of, um, uh, uh, connectivity uh, um, information they have for two bucks. Oh, that's um, great! And if, if you give them two names they don't have, they credit you a buck. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, I use in in Knockham Dead 2017. I talk about an approach where you can literally quadruple the number of interviews you get. Yeah. Number one, you upload to the job posting you've seen. Your resume goes into that database. Number two, you cross-reference um, uh, through your networks, having built and continuing to build profession-relevant contacts. Yeah. And using those, you've, you uh, and using Google and using Jigsaw and the other sources, you find the people who have the job titles one, two, and three levels above you. Yeah. You send them an email. Uh, if you can't get the email by calling the company or find someone who works at that company yeah. on LinkedIn and get their email, there are only six different emails. It's, it's martin.yate, martin at martin <laughs> underscore yate. Uh, you do the same cover letter. You send it to all, all six or seven varieties of email address, and guess what? If it's wrong, it bounces back and nothing's yeah. lost. Yeah. You get it into them that way. Third way, you do something which nobody does. You send them your resume by mail in a big flat envelope. I know it sounds crazy, but nobody gets mail anymore, and I That's promise you point. it will be open. And the fourth thing you do, you pick up the phone just before opening time, just after lunch starts, just after five, and call directly. Don't leave messages if someone else picks up the phone. Just yeah. talk to the hiring man. If you do those four things, you can quadruple the amount of uh, interviews you get. Yeah, that uh, I found that very useful years ago when I was searching just to call somebody. And uh, you don't specifically necessarily ask for a particular job. You just uh, say, do you know someone who might be looking for uh, such and such? And describe a little of uh, your qualifications. I found that worked quite effectively. But uh, yeah, I have a whole chapter on, on, on how you make that telephone uh, presentation. Right. No one objects to a call as long as you get in and out in 45 seconds and finish with a question. Yeah. You just don't start with questions about the weather and how are you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you cut to the chase. You put on your professional hat. You present your situation succinctly. Yeah and say, uh, does anything come to mind at your company? And then there's a list of other, other questions you can ask. Because yeah. you know, if you ask one question, you get a yes or no. Yeah. If you ask two questions, you double your chances of catching a fish, yeah. and so on. Well, well, here's a question especially important for folks in their late 40s or 50s. How best can we uh, fight often subtle or hidden age discrimination? You say to hit it head on, but... Uh, what would be some tactics that you would want to use, say, in a job interview or uh, even in sending your resume out to, uh, to fight against that? 
um, let, let's 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 handle the job interview and, and handle the resume separately if we have yeah. time. At the job interview, uh, at the end, you're going to be asked, do you have any questions? Yeah. And I would say something like, well, Roy, um, the, um, I've really enjoyed the meeting. I think I can do the job because of A, B, and C. Um, but if I look around, I can see that I am the oldest person in this department by probably 10, 15 years. <laughs> now, if I was in your situation, I know... You're not allowed to ask my age or my health or can I keep up, uh, which I can, by the way. Um, <laughs> but I, I want to address some pluses I bring to the market. Number one, the younger people are, the faster they change jobs. Number two, they're all after promotions, and there's at least half of them who've got their knives out at your back. Number three, this is the job I want. The older people are, the longer they stay at jobs. I don't want a promotion. Within six months, you will realize I'm the one guy you can rely on to stand at your back in all matters. Next, I've made most of my mistakes on someone else's payroll. Yeah. And then, of course, when the poop hits the paddle wheel, as it does in the best-run departments, I've been there before. Yeah. I know how to handle it. I don't panic. I can be a cohesive and calming influence. And I could go on, as I do yeah. in a chapter about That's age discrimination. Great. I, I love that. But, uh... <laughs> Makes really strong points. And you either hope they don't discriminate or you actively turn it into a plus. And there isn't an interviewer that wouldn't love it. I mean, look, we've got senators in their 80s. <laughs> and we're getting pushed out of the workforce in our 40s and yeah, 50s. Our senator it doesn't Grassley make sense. just got reelected at 83 for six yeah. more years. <laughs> yeah, they're the people that own the companies that are allowing this to happen, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Well, what are a few secrets of getting hired? What would they be if you were to offer, say, two or three secrets? Okay, here's number one. Uh, first lessons everyone listening today learn in business, and we live by them every day of our lives. Number one, customer's always right. Number two, find out what the customer wants and give it to them. We live by it every day until it comes to our resume. Yeah. And what do we put in our resume? What we think is important. <laughs> me, 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 me. And we make it as wide as we possibly can to catch as many fishes as we can. Yeah. And it's subjective, and it doesn't work. The only people who go into databases are headhunters and recruiters, which accounts for why they're crazy, because yeah. they read resumes for a living, and they go in with a specific job title and specific responsibilities. You need to analyze, decide on the job you're going to go after. You need 70% plus of the skills, and um, uh, uh, deconstruct half a dozen of these job postings, prioritize what the customer wants to buy, then you write a resume uh, that tells the story of the experience and credentials you have for this job. Your resume will become more discoverable, it will pass the recruiter 60-second scan test, and it will talk intelligently to a hiring manager. Yeah, so That's the process that we use with our resume writing clients, yeah. and it works incredibly well. Yeah, that's great. Well, as you point out, there's no longer a stigma in changing jobs like there used to be, and job search is an integral part of uh, modern life. But uh, let's talk a bit about your latest edition of... Uh, your New York Times bestseller, Knock 'em Dead 2017, The Ultimate Job Search Guide. And your book uh, is divided into four sections. And you can, can you briefly highlight a few of the uh, topics covered in each of the four sections? 
Well, I, I can tell you this. It's a little book. It's only 385 pages. It's encyclopedic on everything to do with job search and getting oh, right. off on the right foot, yeah. uh, including age discrimination, including starting out in your career. It, we cover everything in yeah. that book. Uh, and this edition is absolutely unique in history because for the price of the book, you also get the pleasure of four hours of video of me talking about the big issues of the book. Oh, Plus, you can get a free resume review. Oh, and there isn't a deal like this in the world. Oh, and by the way, the book's been in print 31 years. It's in 26-plus languages. Um, you know why? Because it works. Yeah. No, it's, it certainly has staying power and the, the proof's in the pudding. And the, Well, where should we go to preview and purchase your book? I know it's probably available in most uh, places. It, you know, uh, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, just about any bookstore, if you go bricks and mortar. But, you know, the ones that sell channeling crystals, I'm not very big in those stores, but <laughs> any real bookstore you can find my book. Yeah. Or you can come to knockemdead.com, where we've yeah, got, you can read books for free on the website. Yeah. Um, and uh, uh, you can buy the book on the site. Yeah, knockemdead.com, and I notice you have a number of resources there, many of them free, uh, including, uh, you, I guess you offer career coaching and resume writing services, and uh, you have a great yeah. blog on there, and I noticed. And, uh, you can actually read the resume book in its entirety for free on the site. Oh, great. And, well, that uh, sounds like a, a definite place to start. With, uh, if, if I were looking for a job, I would go to knockemdead.com and uh, probably purchase your book as well, but... Uh, you think I'd get it right after 31 editions, wouldn't you? But, you know, things keep changing. (laughs) Well, whatever your position and conclusion, uh, whatever your position, profession, and career, only two things are certain in today's hectic times. One, things change, and two, a nasty grown-up word for poo-poo happens. (laughs) 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 And although today you may be riding high in your career, statistics show that most of us change jobs on average average once every four years with a lifetime of three or more distinct careers. And when it's your turn, I highly recommend Martin Yates' book, Knock 'em Dead 2017. In fact, you don't have to wait till your turn because it also tells you how to manage your career and it's a good resource to have on hand at any time. And remember, it's not just about finding a job, but also managing your career. And it will help you remove the panic and put yourself firmly in charge of your next job search. Also, it will provide you with a sparkling new approach, as Martin puts it, to career management that replaces mindless, unrewarding loyalty to your employer. And remember, you still can be a great team player while looking out for number one. And thanks a million, Martin Yate, for your sound advice. Bless you, Roy. Always a pleasure. And let's all go out and make certain we all have a good time while we're earning a living, because it is possible, you know. And goodbye for now. Uh, thank you so much, Martin. And goodbye for now from Middle Age Can Be Your Best Age. You've been listening to Middle Age Can Be Your Best Age, hosted by Roy Richards, an expert on midlife renewal and author of both A Midlife Challenge, Wake Up, and Wake Up, Captain and Crew, Restart Your Engines. You can learn more about Roy and his Middle Age Renewal Training System by visiting his website, middleagerenewal.com. 